named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Worrell from Love to Move. I'm joined by Sam Hunter from Home Search. Sam, how is it going, my friend? Do you now know that Everton have signed James Rodriguez and we can talk football now it is back? He played pretty well. Uh, he from did the, pretty well. Yeah, I watched... Uh, not match the day when I call the highlights on YouTube. I think he just really likes playing for Ancelotti because um, he was he's awesome for that like first post World Cup season at Real where Ancelotti was his manager, and then he was at Bayern. He was just tearing shreds over in Germany. So um, yeah, I I don't really have those like tribal dislikes for uh, teams that uh, usual Liverpool fans will uh, quite enjoyed. I mean. It was fun watching Spurs lose because my wife's a Spurs fan, so that was cool. And um, so, um, and Stephen Brown's a Spurs fan as well, isn't he? I've not spoken to is. him yet today, but I might, I might. Well, I don't have to drop him a message now. I can just tag him in this. I thought, um, I th- when yeah, it, when it goes out. I think uh, he's gracious enough when Spurs pump Liverpool four-one that I'll give him the, I'll <laughs> give him the breaks. So, yeah, uh, it was, it was a good game. It was a good weekend. I, we were talking off air that. I thought I was going right with 68 fantasy points, but you're on 77. So, not a bad start, Salah. Mark Worrell. Salah, Salah as captain, mate. Yeah, on, on fire. Dinya left back, got an assist. So, oh, got an yeah, assist. We can, I mean, we can, Strong. We can, t- we can talk fantasy every week and we just do an update. And, yeah, if anyone, if any listeners do, I think there's a fire wave fantasy league. I might, might get involved in that. Um, but, estate agency, Sam, what has been going on with Home Search since we last spoke? What are the agents saying? What are your team saying to you? How, how do you think the market is? Because I think it's slowed a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know whether it's slowed, but there's definitely more caution afoot. Um, I wrote an article for a state agent today that went out on the weekend and they were just, they were just like, they asked me the question like, give us the reality. <laughs> I was like... It's busy, you know, and it's probably not going to be busy forever. And they were like, can you make that 600 words? And I was thinking, okay. Uh, and then I had a look at um, the pro- there was a pricing index that came out last week from Halifax, I think. And I was looking at it and it was the same as the bank that came out the week before and the bank that came out the week before that. Like prices are up month on month, but they're very, very cautious and there's less products that they're releasing out to anybody who does want to actually transact. And to me, that coupled with these like pregnant pipelines that every agent has at the moment where I was talking to a guy last week who's got a few offices and he's got, you know, there's tens of millions of quid in his pipeline at the moment. Um, And they said this time last, like in August last year, we made more money than we did in August this year, even though our pipelines are six times as large. Um, and that was at the end of a really, you know, what an agent would describe as a pretty decidedly average tough market. Um, and that was not an uncommon story. And it's probably a bit like that story has been around since the start of August. You know, everyone started tying up deals in July and then nothing started happening to them in August. And they kept tying up more and they kept tying up more and they kept tying up more. So 
I'm yeah, I'm a bit like the bad news bear at the moment where I'm just not maybe not bad news, but I'm saying to certainly every agent that we're speaking to, like focus at least a proportion of your day that you would consider to be significant. In my mind, it's an hour on deal progression. And that's not just talking to solicitors because they may not be available. That's talking to your sellers and saying, this is what plan B needs to be if these people get cold feet or if their mortgage product gets revoked or if something comes back in the survey. Because I think it's really important to remember that part of what deal progression is, is not assuming it's going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. And making sure that there's a strategy and you're the calm professional if and when that happens. Absolutely. The conveyancing and mortgage um, process at the moment is very difficult. A lot of the agents that I speak to talk of those big pipelines, but probably artificially inflated. And if you heard me rustling around there, it's because I have on my desk, which I will show you, no one can, no one can see, but I've got a... Um, snippet of the times from yesterday um it's the 14 percent thing um i must admit i've not read the article yet i don't think it says 14 percent, but it says the housing market may be at an all-time high but the process of buying and selling is hitting an all-time slow and <laughs> it talks about now being 125 days from offers being accepted to contracts being exchanged on the property. And Michael Day did an article, didn't he, on LinkedIn about it um, that I was reading today about that process. And um, I think as agents, we really need to realize that this process is a really long one. We need to do everything that we possibly can to shorten it. And I couldn't you know, think of much better advice than when people come on the market, get them legally ready, day yeah, one. Yeah. 100%. You've got to have those crucial conversations. People are so concerned with just giving good news so they get that listing agreement signed. Give them everything. Show them that you're prepared. Prepare them for the worst. You know, have that stoic mindset of prepare for the worst and then nothing's ever going to surprise you. Um, sorry that I dropped in a weird 14% thing for you there too. There was an article in the Times that came out this morning uh, that Nationwide's come out and said that they predict according to their statistical model um, that house prices will fall by almost 14% next year once the government's temporary cut and stamp duty ends and the economic impact of coronavirus filters through to the property market. Uh, sorry, that's according to an uh, analysis by an economic consultancy and then Nationwide go on to say that house prices are rising their fastest in 16 years, but the Centre for Economics and Business Research, CEBR, say that the increase is an anomaly driven by emergency policy methods designed to give the market a boost. I think we all recognize that as reality. So the second part of that, and, and I'm conscious that we now have gone past our arbitrary five minute introduction, uh, mark, <laughs> but uh, this isn't what I would consider to be waffle. I think this is considered thinking um, and something we should probably do is re go through the news every week moving forward. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. I think we can all agree that those prices are 100% anomalies. You know, you don't expect any, any massive boom like this is never sustainable. So thank you. You know, bakers bake bread, I think is as far as we can talk about that, but it's, it's the sensationalist 14% number that's just popped up that they've used to get a headline that everyone's now Googling CEBR to understand what it is. Will will they come back by 14%? Who knows? Will they come back at all? Who knows? But will they be sustainably growing month on month by 2, 2.2%? I think every estate agent, you know, 
with a bit of nous about them, with a bit of experience, who's been operating longer than July 2020, <laughs> probably recognises that they won't and needs to have those conversations with their sellers, with their buyers, with their landlords, with their tenants now. And that's the important thing, the point that we're trying to get across. Yeah, absolutely. We're in a very unusual market. But having said that, prices and demand and, and what have you may dry up. I do think that people have gone through a very drastic shift in lifestyle. And I don't think that we're going to see the full effect of that just over the, you know, the last few months. We're going to see people that still, you know, they might still be working at home this time next year. And that might be the thing that triggers them to, to want to move. So I think there's, I think there's still going to be transaction numbers pretty strong. Um, I certainly hope so anyway. Um, and, if the conveyancing times are taking longer and longer as agents, we need to be advising clients. And then, as you say, having those difficult conversations because agency is about having difficult conversations with people when it needs, when it needs to happen, give that good advice. Because if you are sat on the market, if the market drops, then, you know, chasing the market down is not a very good place to be. Say that again. That was really good. And I think you articulated that well, it needs to sink in for people, right? I can't remember what I said, mate. Um, <laughs> I was talking about having very difficult conversations. I think one of the problems that um, some properties are going to have is if they are still on the market, chasing the market down is not a very good place to be at all. Um, and if there are agents in your area overvaluing, um, they, they might be winning now or they might have won over the last couple of months over the next you know, year or so that is going to, that is going to, you know, catch up with them because the market is dropping in price and you go on too high, you've got a serious problem and you've got to then have some very difficult conversations with your vendors. Nice one. Shall we um, dive in and introduce today's guest? One I am very looking forward to, uh, to speaking to. I've been following him quite closely on social media um, over the last few months. Do you want to introduce him, Sam? Let's do it. Today's guest is not your typical, or maybe I should say, not your traditional estate agent. He does it very much his own way with some cool glasses and a very strong hat game, as I can attest on this podcast. He has loads of fun producing his own content and others for agency, utilizing the self-employed model. We think he represents very much the modern day estate agent. He spent lockdown making social media videos for other agencies to keep himself busy, and he's recently posted some crazy engagement stats from Facebook alone. We are looking forward to what is sure to be an entertaining chat about agency, video, mindset, and self-employment. Ben Moore, the one with the beard, welcome to the World Class Agency Podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. That was one hell of an introduction. I always thought, because obviously I'm a long-term fan of the show, as you know, uh, I always thought you must have done that before, then dropped it in. So um, I'm, I'm delighted to see you got that in one take. Very impressed. <laughs> All, always live. E even better. And this is revealing uh, a little bit about our sort of pre-production, because it's a very... Uh, official enterprise that we run here at the World Class Agency podcast. <laughs> I can see that uh, when you backdrop. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that was the first time that I'd run through that. Mark has uh, done everything today. We're recording this on Monday night. Usually we do it Tuesday morning. And I ran from one phone call into this and found that ready to go. So testament to Mark. I'm just the guy who says some shit at the start, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so, so Mark scripted it, you said it, yeah? Well, yeah. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the kind words. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a long one today, but yeah, very worthwhile. I saw those engagement stats that you put up on Facebook 
uh, just before the weekend, I was comparing them to mine. I was like, oh, we've got some work to do here. <laughs> um, ben, one of the things that sort of caught my eye with a lot of the stuff that you do on social media was during lockdown, you took the time to produce content free of charge for, for other agents. What made you what made you do that out of interest? Um, just pure and simply because, well, we was going through a pretty bizarre time. I mean, I don't know what, what you two are like, but generally in every walk of life, not just business, I'm just so laid back and I'm just practically vertical, vertical horizontal. I always get them too mixed up. I'm just so laid back. I just don't take anything on board. And um, when lockdown came into full force and it was kind of a case of, right, okay, guys, this is serious. Um, you know, you can't go to work. You can't do appointments. It hit me like a slap in the face. So suddenly I thought, being content conscious anyway, the first thing I thought was, okay, this is going to have a massive impact on the business, on the content that I put out, the message that I'm leading with. So straight away, I knew we had to do a pivot and maybe some of the videos and the bits and pieces that I had banked and scheduled to, that I was planning to post over that week suddenly no longer were appropriate. So I just did a big U-turn and started thinking, okay, well, what can we do? I need to be there. I need to be present. I need to make sure people don't forget about me. I can't let myself down with the consistency that I've built up this year. So I just started turning my hand to different mediums of content, ironically, nothing about property or estate agency, and just kind of producing that. But as I looked around and as I was speaking to other estate agents, I started to see that their message wasn't changing. And it was kind of, not only was it falling on deaf ears, I could see that the response from the market is that it's actually going to do your brand some harm. So we started doing these white labeled videos just pure and simply because I was making them anyway. And I guess by making them for other estate agents, it kind of made, give me some accountability to keep putting them out myself, if that makes sense. So there was a bit of a selfish element to it. It definitely scratched my back as well and kept me on track through, you know, those period of weeks. So um, yeah, that's why I decided to do it just to kind of build some relationships, speak to some new agents and help them with their content marketing over what was, you know, a very rough and scary time for everyone. And, and well done for doing that. I think um, we want to go a bit deeper on, on the video stuff because I think certainly if anyone who listens to this show, but anybody who uh, is trying to build any sort of business at the moment, I think video is playing a really key role in that strategy. And I picked up on a couple of things that you said there um, was that you're content conscious, which I think is a great, is great language. I think people really do need to be conscious of what they're putting out, but also you said you need to make sure that people don't forget about you and that consistency was really key for you. Um, yeah. So talk us through way back when, before you were the guy with the beard and you were just, you were Ben Moore making video, like how important did you see video in your strategy? And then how important has video been in boosting your profile? And then if it can be a, like a triple barreled question, if you'll allow me, um, how much of like the success that you've seen would you attribute to that content? Sure. Well, that's a hell of a question, Sam. I hope you've got some time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just to kind of give some context to this, just first, first off. So my background, I've been in and around estate agency for about 10 years or so. But prior to that, my kind of bread and butter was always fitness. Not that you'd know that looking at me today, but I'm a health guy. I did my education in health and fitness and nutrition. Um, I was a personal trainer for some years. And that was kind of 
where I saw my career going over time. And then when I graduated uni, at that time, there were a lot of cutbacks in the industry um, and the jobs that were available weren't particularly well paid. And I already had some prior sales experience from doing door to door telecoms when I was at uni to pay for all the baked beans and tequila. So I kind of stumbled across um, like a sales graduate role, which just happened to be an estate agency. So I kind of fell into the industry by mistake. And where I'm going with this is that I fell in love with agency quite quickly and could see that I could build a career and, and, and with only being in the industry for a couple of years or so, my first business. But I've always had this kind of deep-rooted interest in health and fitness because that was my real passion before I kind of happened upon a state agency. So I'll kind of summarise, I've had a couple of businesses and then last year I launched another business, didn't quite work out, we had to put plans on pause. And I came through this bit of a transition period where I was thinking, well, are my days in property numbered? What am I going to do? I've worked for myself for so long. I can't imagine going working for someone or going on the high street. And I kind of took a bit of a sidestep and started working in fitness again and turning my attention back to the fitness space. So I was looking then at a lot of personal trainers, people like Joe Wicks and James Smith, Darren Cartel. There's a lot of a lot of people in that space who are kind of have done a great job of building great businesses off a personality-driven brand. And video is very much at the forefront of that. So when I started dipping my toe back in the fitness pool, um, Instagram became a big part of my kind of uh, Instagram was my lead magnet basically that's where I was engaging with clients and I was putting a lot of video out a lot of Q&A's and Instagram stories and I found that putting my face on camera as uncomfortable as it was was helping me form this relationship with people that I'd never witnessed at any point in my business life before that it was incredible people were messaging me really nice warm messages of support by and large all positive and that was bringing more people into my ecosystem but not just you know, people with a, a weight loss goal or people wanting to get fitter. It was people that I was genuinely enjoying speaking with and I started to really enjoy that element of the job and just simply helping people. Um, and then obviously I came back into the property space and looking at the, the amazing businesses and brands that a lot of personal trainers have built. Joe Wicks is the obvious one because obviously he's built an absolutely incredible fitness empire, the most successful fitness entrepreneur to ever kind of walk the planet. But there's a lot more besides him who've done the same thing on a smaller scale. So when I came back into property, I just kind of, opened my eyes really after taking a step back and just looked at the market and I thought I don't really see anyone doing this to a great extent or at least with the consistency that they ought to be um, and I just thought you know what when I kick things off now this is going to be a personality driven business I want to make sure my face is over it people know who I am I want to walk into Morrison's and people say oh you're that property guy on Facebook um, <laughs> and I knew that, that, that video was going to be a great way of doing that one because obviously the social media platforms favour video as a content medium because it retains the audience's attention for longer on, on Facebook and so forth but also it just allowed me to kind of build this relationship with people at scale without even knowing that I was doing it and have this crazy impact that I just wouldn't be able to get in any other way so I knew quite early on this time around that video was going to be like incredibly important to allow me to move forward and serve my market to the best of my ability but build those relationships and you know build something pretty special in terms of what i'm trying to achieve here on the filed coast so that's why i kind of laid the gauntlet down and thought okay i'm definitely going to be making video a cornerstone of the business and it was very funnily enough i looked at the first video that i posted it came up on like a, a time lapse to post it to my personal page and it wasn't great it wasn't polished the audio was bad i was stood on the beach the wind was going crazy you couldn't hear much i had a cheap little microphone which might as well have not been there it weren't the best video in the world didn't do any views but you know what it, it was the first kind of step on the road to getting me into that habit and getting me used to producing video content and doing basic edits and having the confidence 
to be able to put it out there for the world to see because that's a scary bit it's not just speaking to the camera it's putting it out there for people to kind of um have their opinion on which is quite a scary thing for the first time but i've just not looked back since then i've just kind of been doing post after post after post being consistent and they say it takes 60 days or 66 days to form a new habit so i pushed through that boundary um and I've just not looked back since. I've just been done it month and month and month and month. It's been a very slow burner. We've not had instant results. At times you feel like no one's watching, no one's listening. I'm not coming across silly. I'm not getting any feedback. You're not getting those dopamine hits because the engagement's poor. But suddenly <laughs> over time, you know, it starts to compound and build and you realize what an impact you're having. And people do come out of the woodwork and it kind of really shines through in terms of business. And we're kind of at that point now where probably only the last six to eight weeks, if I'm going to be totally honest, guys, where Facebook's become a real organic business generation for us and people are calling out the blue and not only are they asking um you know can i sell my house or whatever they're asking would you consider working with a property like mine have you got space in your diary to fit me in you know it's these sorts of questions because of the perception and the image that we've built through the branding that we've built on on facebook primarily mm. and you got recognized maybe not in morrison's but was it on the street last week was it then yeah, both actually, mate. I got recognised in Morrison's for the first time about six weeks ago. And, nice. Yeah, it's happened a couple of times in the street as well. But I mean, far from any sort of like celebrity figure, but it's nice to be able to you know to get noticed by people. And like, oh, you're that guy. I was watching that property tour you did last night. And what I'm finding is that people are watching the content in the same way that people might watch like Escape to the Country or Homes Under the Hammer. They've got no intent of buying that particular house, but they're looking at the property. They're aspiring to have a property like that, or they're looking down on the property, whatever it is, you know, they're engaging with something about those videos. So suddenly when their friend or colleague is struggling to sell a house and they've not had an update from the agent for six months, because of the content we're putting out, because it's really standing out in the market, I'm the first name at the top of their, the tip of their tongues to say, oh, you should check out this guy on Facebook. And it's just kind of that point of difference that once I get into the living room, we've kind of built that relationship already without me realizing it because they've been following my content for the last six months. And by the time I get in the living room, it's kind of mine to lose, if that makes sense. Um, in fact, I, tell, I always tell this one story, just so it springs to mind that there was this lady who was constantly engaging with the content. She was liking the post, commenting, she was sharing, she was really supportive. And uh, she came out of the blue one day, dropped into my inbox and said, can I arrange a valuation? But instantly I recognized the name. And then when I went round to her house, she had like a Twix waiting for me, a cup of coffee with two sugars. She knew exactly how I took my coffee and what my favorite chocolate bar was because she'd been following us for that period of time. So once you get in the living room, you really are being greeted as an old friend rather mm. than this kind of corporate estate agent versus client relationship that we sometimes experience. So it just makes for a much smoother process and better conversions. <laughs> I mean... Without a doubt, you know, and I, the, the Twix thing particularly just shows you how engaged people are. Um, something that you said there really, uh, I, I like to sort of follow up and ask questions that made me sit up a little bit taller in my seat. And it's two things really. It's that when people started to recognize you and then it was also everybody maybe is not themselves thinking about moving, but everybody knows somebody who is, whether they're nearly there, whether they've just moved, whether they're ready to rock and roll, uh, soon or they have a friend who is it so my one of the things that we talk about on this show a little bit is start to think about a referral or recommendation like a transaction because it becomes really real to you then yeah. and it sounds to me like you understand that if you add enough value consistently uh, you start to pick up those second and third like um 
degrees of separation transactions through these yeah. people. It's, you're not always having to talk directly to the seller. You're talking to somebody who knows that person or whatever it is. So that that's, I think it's clear that you recognize that and you probably put out a lot of stuff about that. And the homes under the hammer is a really good way of describing how you do some of your content as well, because people love property related video and they love to absorb it all don't they they really do mate and that's why um i think we're so lucky like we're really really lucky because people love well british people tend to love the weather and after that they love people and they love property so we're in the best industry in the world for building like very captivating engaging content that people can really connect and relate to and and, and invest their time into watching because we're just nosy people right that's just the way we are as humans so um we've got such a good subject matter to be able to build whatever turn you want to coin, build a great brand, a personal brand, whatever your, your goals and aspirations are, it's all there for the taking. We just need to be brave enough to put ourselves out there to embrace it and do it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting what you say there, Sam, in terms of you not speaking to the seller directly. And I was kind of trying to think of a way that when you guys asked me to come onto the podcast, obviously I know what I'm doing in my own mind, but it kind of urged me to kind of look within myself and try and kind of put it into context and explain the way that I see it. And I almost look at it as if like, if you imagine like a big circle or a dartboard and you and your business is at the bullseye in the middle. And if you imagine there's more circles around you and every circle is, you know, your audience and depending on what tier they fall in, depends on where they're at in terms of needing your services. And the people who are right next to you in the bullseye, a couple of tiers removed, maybe these are guys who are thinking oh, my estate agent's not calling me back why is my property not selling i'm going to put it on the market in the next couple of days people who are hot to move right now but then the further removed people are these are still people in your market potential customers they're fans of your business it's just that you know the, the advice that you're given on three things to ask your estate agent or three reasons your house isn't selling isn't quite appropriate to these people yet because they're not at that headspace so different pieces of content are going to resonate with different people at different times depending on where they're up in their life cycle so if someone's right on the outer ring and they're not even thinking about estate agency for all they know they don't know they're going to get promoted in 12 months and have to relocate they don't know that the wife's going to cheat on them in six months and they're going to go separate ways they're, they're quite happy in their house thinking that they're there for the next couple of decades so suddenly you're bringing them into your ecosystem by giving you know aspirational content you're giving them a peek behind the scenes you're letting them learn about the behind the scenes processes and um, you're letting them see these fancy houses these great productions or mm. just you know letting them into your mind and giving them a sneak behind the curtain because it might not be massively value adding but it's intriguing and it's going to captivate their attention and make put you on their radar so when that promotion comes in 12 months guess who's at the front you know front of the queue ready for that instruction so that's the way you've got to look at it, it really is a long-term strategy yes you may get quick wins if you look at there will be low-hanging fruit you might happen upon the right person at the right time but really this needs to be a long-term thing we're not looking you know at the next few weeks we're talking months and years ahead really really planning for the, for the future there and a couple of things that you said um consistency accountability um so we've had people come on talk about getting started in in video but what would your advice be from how to go from getting started and starting to do a few to being more prolific and, and how would you how have you gone from being okay to being good to now being great and also super prolific and consistent um i know it sounds very vanilla and it's like a really rubbish answer mate but 
the honest truth is like just just do it and and it's the fear that holds you back the fear of will i come across stupid do i look silly have i put on a bit of weight are people going to get my message are people going to get value is anyone even going to listen full stop it's all these little lifts and butts that kind of hold us back but just simply biting the bullet putting your face on camera it doesn't have to be amazing it doesn't have to be polished it just needs to be a talking effort um and just kind of build on that you know it's like anything I'm sure there's people listening to this who, you know, rate themselves well as estate agents or the good footballers or the good cricket players or whatever it is, but you didn't pick up a football and a bat on the first day and be hitting it out of the park. It took years and years of practice. And this is certainly no different. Um, but I think it's important that you make an effort and you try and you put it out there and you'll realise after you've done a couple, the world's still turning, no one's bit your head off, you know, everything's still fine. Um, and then that leads on to another one and another one and another one. And with that quantity becomes an increase in quality in terms of what you're putting out. And once you've done it for a period of time, it starts to become more habitual, it forms part of your routine and then you can do it with consistency without it being a real strenuous effort. It's like anything, it's like going to the gym. I went back to the gym for the first time in a while this morning. I know the next few weeks are going to be hell. I'm going to have to pull myself out of bed, force myself to go. I feel like rubbish. I'm aching from head to toe. I've not even slept yet. So God knows what I'm going to be like in the morning. But you know that if I do this for eight weeks and I get those first couple of months under my belt, suddenly I'm not Ben, the guy who's trying to get back into the gym. I'm Ben, a guy who embraces fitness as part of his lifestyle. And suddenly you just do it more habitually. And I think that can be said for a lot of things. And again, video is no different. What, what takes um, a video from like average to good? Do you know what? I think um, what makes a good video, I think it's it's subjective. So I think it's difficult to answer that in kind of a one-dimensional way because people people see, you know, the high production pieces that we put out, that tends to be the stuff that, you know, I'll post straight to LinkedIn and Facebook and I'll share into like local groups and we'll put a bit of budget behind it and promote it to the local market. But sometimes, you know, the fly on the wall, me walking down the street with my phone, you know, shaky camera, just doing 60 seconds worth of dialogue can have as much impact and engagement as the shinier polished stuff. So I think there's a place in the market for everything. In fact, I think there's something quite endearing about that DIY job. I think it makes it almost more relatable. Mm. So I'd say that that's probably another barrier to entry. I can't afford to do video. I can't bring a videographer in. Ah, um, just use your phone, use whatever you've got, your iPhone, your Android, whatever. Just just set it up on a tripod, sit in your office, walk down the street in your car before an appointment. Just, just share what's in your mind as long as you're putting yourself out there. I think that's the main job. It's not so much about, you know, the fancy transitions and the sharp camera angles. People don't really care. Just be authentic. Um, and, and leave with your message. Nice. And that's the quality. That's the, that's the quality with it, Ben. And I completely agree that there's a place for, um, for you know, the really polished stuff, and then, as you say, just the stuff on your phone. But how much is video now into your habits and into your processes? How how much of your time do you spend on video each day or, or each week? Yeah. So I got better at doing this because at one stage especially when I don't mind saying once engagement, we all know it's a bit of a drug, social media, you're getting good engagement, you're getting that positive reinforcement, you're getting those dopamine hits, you keep posting. Um, but then it can get to a point where yes, social media is important. Yes, you need to be marketing yourself. Yes, you want to be building your brand, but it can't be all encompassing. We've still got other stuff to do. You've still got staff to manage. You've still got valuations to do. You still, you can't be absolutely everything. So one of the best things that I did was got better at batching my time. So with my podcasts or with my videos or whatever it was going to be that I was planning on posting, I'd maybe dedicate half a day on a Sunday to sitting down and saying, right, there's the camera. Today I'm going to do a video about A, B, and C. 
smashed them together, done, edited. Now I've got a bank of content that's ready to drip out over the course of the next week. If you start, I mean, there's nothing wrong with sporadic content. I do do that as well, but I think it's important that you don't let it become all encompassing to the point where you're kind of wasting too much time and energy in doing it away from doing stuff that's actually conducive in the here and now, if that makes sense. So kind of planning forward and, and preparing and, and, and like I say, time batching for me was the best thing ever. <laughs> nice. Um, I want to perhaps take the conversation away from video for a bit now uh, and focus on, uh, we'll ask you some questions on how you actually run your business. Um, because like uh, my, my accent determines that I uh, like people being real estate agents, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, so, um, and there's a lot of conversation out there about the merits uh, or perhaps uh, drawbacks of the self-employed model, you know, going it yourself. I don't necessarily think going alone is the right language because you, you know, in models like yours or others, you're not alone. Even if you do set up your own shop and you're doing everything in a traditional sense, there is a community of estate agents out there that are willing to support you if you ask for help. And that's one of the really unique things I think about England uh, sure. compared to some of the rest of the world. So can you walk us through uh, your life a little bit? Uh, I was going to say journey, but I'm trying to avoid that uh, word, <laughs> that word as much as I can. And like talk us through, you know, how you moved into that self-employed role, what you're enjoying, what are the challenges um, since you've been with EXP? Yeah, sure. So I think I kind of touched on, but breezed past it very conveniently that I had a business that didn't work out. <laughs> hey, we like to skip over that bit. Um, no, but essentially what, what basically happened is I'd sold a business um, and the equity from that business allowed me to relocate my life, buy a house. We found out my little girl was coming basically. So it's time to lay down some serious roots and be a grown up. I got a husky and a mortgage and all everything that comes with it. I just like <laughs> turned into a man overnight. Um, and essentially, I took pretty much the best chunk of Esme's first year of life away from work. For the first time ever, I was just like, you know what, forget business. I'm not going to focus on work. I was in a fortunate position where I had a bit of cash behind me and I could afford to be a full-time dad, um, which is the best move I've ever made from a career. Like, what a privilege. I remember getting two weeks into it thinking, wow, this is when dads would normally go back to work and I didn't feel anywhere near ready. So I feel very lucky and blessed that I got the opportunity. Uh, but anyway, what, what had essentially happened is my savings were obviously paying for my lifestyle for that period of time. So we got to this point where Esme was growing and my savings were shrinking and I could see, right, okay, I'm going to have to start thinking about making a move now and kind of setting up the next business or finding the next job or whatever it was going to be. So I had for about 11 give or take in a bank at that stage and I thought you know what I think I can make this work I think I can launch an estate agency I reckon I can make this happen I knew it was going to be tight it was going to be touch and go but if the stars align and we get the right conversions and we follow the right processes maybe we can make this work um, anyway we, we got off to a great start stand up a lot of properties but I kind of made that cardinal sin where I just didn't set the fees at a point that sustained my outgoings so mm. even when it started to wash through and we got the conversions and sales were turning into completions it wasn't washing the face of what I needed to make and because we only had such a limited pot of cash it just wasn't happening so I had to put those plans on pause and kind of take a step back and really assess what my next move was going to be which is when like I said before I ended up back in fitness for a spell um, and then when EXP kind of landed on the scene the way that I saw it was once I understood the mechanics and the structure and how it worked for me it was just such a no-brainer moment because it allowed me to get back on that saddle that I fell off 12 months prior um, and set up again but without the usual expenses that suffocated me the first time around if that makes sense um, 
so yeah, as soon as I, I knew what was entailed and what it had cost me and what the economics of the model was, I was just like, right, sign me up. Um, and since then, I've not looked back. And the great thing about it is that I won't lie, over, over the period of the last 12 months with EXP, there's been spells where it's been a bit worrying. There's times where I was struggling to get appointments, let alone list anything. There's ups and downs. It's a roller coaster, like any business. And being a small business, as maybe you guys can attest to it, at some stage, you guys were a startup. You know, you feel every bump in the road. The highs are really high, but the lows are really low. Um, so that's kind of handy. You just tapped into that support system there, Sam, because it is handy to have a network of like-minded agents that you can speak to and lean to if it is that you need that pickup or a word of advice. So for me, this kind of what we, we call it, this new self-employed model, um, for me, has been a breath of fresh air for me personally. But more than that now, and I'm not just talking about EXP, I'm talking about all the other guys out there. Whoever's challenging the status quo and whoever's bringing this alternate option, this alternate route for estate agents to really build a career for, you know, great people who should be earning decent money, who are capable of building great businesses, but just lack capital. This is an amazing framework to allow those people to move forward and, uh, you know, have more money impact and freedom than what would have been possible 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, so I'm super passionate about the model. Again, not just from the XP standpoint, anyone else out there who's, who's doing this kind of framework, hats off to you. I think it's great. Um, and for me, it's worked really well over the course of the last 12 months. I simply wouldn't be here if it didn't exist. I'd probably be out personal training somewhere. I might have abs, but, <laughs> but, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have a proper business <laughs> um, so yeah it's been a big eye opener and i think when you look overseas you know and, and obviously sam where you're from you're from australia right i am yeah obviously over there in america and whatnot it, it works in this way where the broker is or the agent sorry works with a broker to get a, a more favorable commission split and I think that, that the UK market, whilst we've had some disruption and whilst, you know, purple bricks and people like that, I think have done a great job for us in terms of bearing those educational costs and showing the market that there's a new way of working. You don't have to be confined to the conventional route. They've kind of paved the way for me to kind of introduce us to this new concept. And now for mm. me, it's about where can we take it and what does the next five or 10 years look like? I think we're at a really exciting point in the industry. I would agree. I agree. <laughs> so go on, where, where, where do you think the next five, ten years do take us then, Ben? Well, in all honesty, I think that, um, I honestly believe that we're going to see the self-employed space um, grow. I think we're going to see, uh, we're going to see a drop off. We're going to see people come and, and not succeed and blame anyone but themselves and essentially fail. We're going to see some people rise to the top and absolutely nail it. And we're going to see some big drifters in the middle who might earn, you know, an half decent income, but have a decent work-life balance. Either way, I think it's good that we've now got that option and the agent can choose what best suits their goals and their aspirations and who they are as people. So I think we're going to see that continue to grow. But, you know, I maintain my stance that I think there's going to be a space and a place for all comers, you know, customers as we all know don't come in one shape or size nor do agents so i think the market's big and diverse enough for everyone to have a slice but it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of balance starts to drift and change over the course of the coming years um what are your thoughts i don't know what you guys think in terms of like what where do you see things going do you want to go sam i'll go, I'll go Shall I? um my views on the industry i think there is this big sort of drive to the self-employed model like, like you say, I think you've got to have the right character traits if you're going to take that on and make it successful. It's not really easy to do, is it? A state agency, I always say, you know, it's, it can be quite basic. Do the basics well and it will look after itself. But a lot of agents who've probably been earning good money working for someone don't necessarily have the skills to then go out and run, run, the, run you know, their own business. I think the market is going to 
go to extremes. So you're going to have people charging, you know, two percent to charge to to sell a house. You're going to have people um, at the budget end, and I'm not so sure the middle ground is going to be a place where there's going to be, you know, a lot of money sloshing around because I think there's going to be people fighting for it, and I think there's going to be probably less estate agents on the high street as you know potentially a recession comes and and then you know maybe regulation might come in although i don't think that's imminent i think that will also help to yeah. um you know pu- push fees to the extremes of the uh of the model really i think the self-employed model is fantastic i think you know it's great opportunities for the right people um and you know inevitably some models will work some models won't um but i think the person is more important than anything else in all of that yeah i agree mate i agree and i think it's um I think it's important. One thing that I don't like, and maybe I contribute to this myself sometimes, but one thing that I don't like is I think it's great for the right person and for someone who's this way inclined and has got that belief in the tools and the drive to kind of make it work. Or they're that way inclined to, like you say, have the characteristics to go down this route. That's great. But if that's not you, that doesn't mean that what you're doing is wrong. Or do you know what I mean? Because I think sometimes it's like, oh, it's the cool thing to be. This is the new thing to do, so you must do it. It's like, no, like it's still, still a good place in the market for what you're doing now. As long as you're happy, as long as you're fulfilled, as long as you feel as if you're getting, you know, the respect and the recognition that you want. It's not always. It's not all about commission splits. So it's just kind of people having that awareness as well and being comfortable to make the decision that's right for them, rather than what society says is the right move to make. If that makes sense. Yeah, very well said. Um, you've, you've surmised like what uh, I think a lot of people spend a lot of time arguing about really well there. You know, it, it's a choice and it's a choice depending on what you want out of not only business, but out of life as well. Um, and it's a really nice segue. And I wonder whether you've answered this question already or not, but we're going to figure that out. Um, if you are an avid listener of the show, then you know what's up coming next, right? Can I just say, <laughs> just say go on. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. Uh, no, I was going to say, I was, I was an avid listener to the show, but I used to do all my listening when I was working out and when I was doing school runs. And okay. I haven't been working out or doing school runs, so I've had a little break and I've tapped back into it. So I'm, I'm back in my stride now. I'm catching up. <laughs> all right, nice. There's, there's some good stuff to catch up on, so it's not a bad time, I think. Sure. Um, it is the question that we ask everybody. Uh, that joins us uh, and that is what does world-class estate agency look like to Ben Moore? Sure um, I did know this question was coming and do you know what I wish that I could give like a really profound thought-provoking answer into what world-class estate agency looks like but genuinely for me world-class estate agency is about world-class relationships I think that the, the truth is however passionate you are however much you're determined to deliver for your clients however great and shiny your content and your videos however great the exposure the reality is that there's always going to be factors at play that are out of our control. We're at the mercy of the market and we aren't going to get it right every single time. So for me, it's about having that relationship with your client where regardless of whether you win, lose or draw, mm. they know that you did everything that you could for them and you're their agent for life. And for me, having a great relationship and rapport with your clients amongst everything else that goes wrong, whether you're high-fiving or whether you're crying into a tissue at the end of the transaction for me world-class estate agency is having those solidified relationships with people in your community that you're their go-to agent and no one else comes into the equation and that for me is, is world-class and i uh that was pretty profound right? <laughs> you know yeah i think it I was say, yeah, yeah. I, down here. I think so i mean 
to, to come away from something, as you say, win, lose or draw. And you told us at the start of the show that you didn't really know much about football, but I think there's some knowledge in there. Uh, and they come away knowing that you've done everything for them, regardless of that result. I, I would agree with you. You can't do much more than that. You know, there's going to be, as we talked about earlier in the conversation, an opportunity for further business there. You know, if, if you can hold your hand up high and say, we didn't end up where we wanted to be, but I did everything that I could, which is not a story that many agents can tell, I think. Uh, and it's why we have a dearth of really world-class agents, although there are more coming every day. Um, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, and thank you for, for sharing it with us and for everybody who's listening. Oh, you're more than welcome. I really appreciate you having me on the show, guys. Honestly, I really do. Thank you so much for your time. Nice one, Ben. Thank you very much. Awesome. Take care, guys. Cheers, mate. See you later. A massive thank you once again to Ben Moore from EXP for joining us. Um, Sammy didn't say that it was, he had such a profound um, view on world-class agency, but I think, I think he did, as we said in the interview. But I think a lot of what he, he said was quite um, profound. A number of things I picked up on, um, words that we repeat time and time again on this podcast, accountability, mm. consistency. We've talked about all of that. But I really liked how he termed himself as content conscious. Yeah, that, that was the first note that I wrote down. And I'm glad that we sort of revisited talking to him as well because, um, and I think, you know, luminaries that we've had on this show, like a Chris Watkin or a Jerry Lyons or anybody else who, you know, uh, Phil Jones, those people who really harp on about that value-add content will, will just echo what, what Ben's saying. You've got to be conscious of, of what you're putting out there. It can't just be a right move graph. And it can't just be, I've just sold another one on this street. It's got to be value add stuff, you know, so that people don't forget about you. Um, so that, uh, what, what was he saying? That it's the people that aren't necessarily looking to move. They're looking at that. The, the location, location viewers are the people that you want to be looking at your content. So when the time is right, they come to you. I really like the analogy of the dartboard. Um, and reaching those people who will just watch your content if it's interesting and engaging. They might be at the outer ring of the dartboard, but there'll be a time when they come in or they will recommend someone that comes in. And something that I know you talk about a lot about referrals and not viewing a transaction as a transaction, but also mm. the ability to get referrals um, as a you know, potential income stream in the future. He, he had that sort of real really nailed down i've 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 got that you know you're not always going after the instruction but the referral is just as you know just as worthwhile and some of the content that he puts out i can see is having a big effect on that yeah uh, i mean it's i really like that we sort of heard about his first video being you know something that he wouldn't uh maybe have even been capable of of sorry his first video what he does now he wouldn't have been capable of doing back then but he did it anyway um, and that his, his decision looking at those fitness guys that he follows was to build a business from a personality, personality driven brand. And actually really, I, I think if you're an estate agent listening to this, doesn't matter whether you work at Reese Rains, your move, um, EXP, Keller, Knight Frank, uh, Barry down the road, right? You can build a personality driven brand. It, it, like you just can like the technology is in your pocket on your couch next to your bed plugged in as you're sleeping every single day to be able to do that and ben's just made the decision to make that video like the cornerstone of his business you know and he i think 
his point of like, don't worry about how good it is, um, but have the confidence to put it out there is, is what makes a difference. You know, good is subjective. I wrote down good. I, when he said that, I wrote down good is subjective. And then I put another sentence next to it that says consistency isn't. So you've got a choice, right? Yeah. If you want to be, if you want to be good every single, if you want to be good to everyone every single time, you're probably going to be disappointed. But if you put it out there consistent, consistently, you know, if you, if you, if you go, we're going to do three videos a week and you do that for then six weeks, you're consistent. You know, that, that good, whether it's good or not, is subjective. So I think that's a really good point to, um, you know, just to reinforce that consistency mm. is, is what you're after rather than probably you know, much more important than quality, I would say. Agreed. Um, time banking, I've, I wrote, no, time banking. <laughs> it's getting late. We're doing this at an evening rather than the morning. You can tell, can't you? Time batching, um, ben, ben talked about. And, um, focusing on on planning forward setting time aside in your diary each week to do some videos i know you and your guys do a load of videos is that what you do sam do you do you say right we're going to do this every tuesday afternoon or do you do it more ad hoc what do you guys do um, for producing your content when we do when we do the the stuff that tega films and edits uh it's basically i'll look at my calendar for the week and there'll be a set time put in there when we're all going to be in the office and it'll block out an hour and a half and we'll go in and they'll effectively sit me on the seat and ask me questions and, and just let me go. And then he'll figure out what's best out of that. Some of them are good. Some of them less than good. Um, but the point is that we do it and then it's there and it's done. Um, our guys who do their own, it's probably ad hoc. I, I talk about, I, I pinch that thing from uh, Gary V where it's like document don't create, you know? So if something happens, in your day, talk about it. Um, and then we've got people, and we were genuinely talking about this this morning in our sort of Monday commercial meeting. And I said to the guys, um, if you are thinking about documenting, but you're not that confident yet to be putting something out there, just write it down for yourself. So document what goes through for your day, because it'll remind you the stories that happen. because they, you know, the good thing about our industry is that the successes are often shared and the challenges are often shared. So a problem that we hear about and solve and can help with, we can repeat that with 500 other agents that we're going to be talking to that week. You know, if somebody has a success, be it inside our business or never, we can tell that story to 500 other agents that we're going to be speaking to. And so we can actually become the conduits of those messages and the conduits of those information. And you don't, remember to do that. It's not conscious content, right? Unless you're actually documenting and, and really internalizing and understanding it. So that's, um, that was something that we spoke about today. And I think that's, that's pretty much what Ben does. Like if you see, he talked about having shaky cam and stuff like that. I mean, I'm a, I watch all his videos. So I'm like fanboy moment. Um, and you can see the ones where he's pulled out his phone and it's him walking down the street and it's not the, it is still a great video. It just might not have that um, production quality. I think they're all professional. It's the difference between produced and professional. I think everything does is professional. Some of what he does is produced. Um, you can tell that he's just talking about something that's just happened to him and he's not gone, right. I need to script this out and then I need to download an app that gives me like a teleprompter on my screen while I'm filming. It's like, right, this has happened to me and I want to tell you all about it. And this is why. And so we encourage a lot of that in our business as well, because again, we recognized really early on that video was a great way of 
showing people you're not full of shit effectively. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and inviting them into your world and giving a bit of personality to it as well. So um, I think Ben, Ben made a really lovely point about, and it was, I think it tied in nicely into his world-class relationships, but he, he said that what he thinks about no matter what like model you follow, depending who you are and what matters to you, the agents that challenge the status quo are the ones that are going to end up with more money, have more impact and have more freedom. And I really like that, you know, that sits really well with me because I, I think the one time people find money very uncomfortable is when they get it without having any impact, you know, whereas if you have a lot of impact and you receive a lot of money or whatever your determine is, then you're very comfortable about it. And I think you do a really good job for somebody, you earn the right to get paid relatively well for it. And that's, you know, that's what really good estate agency is. Absolutely. And I think I agree with them about being in the best industry in the world for, for building that captivating content. It's, I love that, I've yeah. never thought about it like that, but yes. Yeah, and, you know, that being lucky and all of that, he's, you know, very, po- very positive person, clearly. And I just thought it was, a, it was a great way to look at it. So hopefully, if you take one thing from the podcast, you can take how lucky we are because British people love watching property content. You know, mm. they, make, they make our job easier. You could argue. Um, world-class relationships, probably mm. not the answer that we expected from Ben. I, th- I thought it would be content-driven, to be perfectly honest, but um, I really liked how he turned, you know, regardless of whether you win, lose, or draw, they know that you've done everything for them. And that is just a bit of an acknowledgement that this industry doesn't go to plan 100% of the time because of the nature of it. Um, but actually, if you do everything for your clients to try and get them that win, then you know, hopefully they will, they will view you as having done that really good job and then go on to refer you and not mind paying you that higher fee than you know, the cheaper agent down the road. Yeah, I think, I think conscious, uh, content is what starts those relationships though. So he talked about walking into that valuation, the lady had a cup of tea with two sugars and a Twix, which then that's, that's like, cool. that is a, dude, that's a lot of sugar to be have, right? Is it with Co- the Twix and surefire yeah, way to ruin a cup or is whack two sugars in there let me tell you um he's not getting, but... he's not, he's not getting any, any abs having that is he <laughs> i don't think he is maybe that's why he had to leave because <laughs> he's like oh, i'm not building a i'm not going to build a personality driven fitness business on two sugars um that's for the follow-up podcast uh ben when you come back but i think that that lady already had a relationship with him in her mind because she'd absorbed and engaged with so much of his content and that's what he's trying to do and clearly succeeding. Um, but I think I would agree with you. And, and I think Ben articulates it, you know, beautifully is that if all you have with somebody is a like button or a comment, then you don't really have the relationship. You've got to take it further. Now it's got to be deep in that. You've got to have those courageous conversations with them. You've got to actually be able to understand them at a human level, not just them recognize you as the property guy from Facebook. And then you have a real relationship and then, you know, it doesn't matter how passionate you are, how successful you are, um, how well marketed you are, your business is without those real relationships, you don't have much else. So point your way to end. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Massive thank you once again to Ben Moore for joining us. Um, we do this because we love our industry. Uh, we want to see it get better. We want to see it improve. Please um, drop us a review, like, 
share it out, ask your colleagues if they're, they're going to watch. Why don't you start a podcast club on a Tuesday morning like I do? Share it with your team. Um, come back and talk about it. I'm Mark Worrell. He's Sam Hunter. Thank you very much. We'll see you again next week.